Welcome to Solutions Cast, a CFC podcast that highlights cooperative network projects and leader stories, as well as economic and energy industry insights. I'm your host, Christine Pachenik, and today I'm here with President and CEO Eric Young of the Indiana based Northeastern Rural Electric Membership Cooperative. So, Eric, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Christine. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and the co op that you work at? Absolutely. Um, so I've been I've been in the co-op world for uh, gosh about 14 years now, um, almost 15. Um, I spent a little over nine years, almost 10, at another cooperative in uh, in Southern Illinois, Southeastern Illinois Electric. Um, moved up here to Fort Wayne to take the the CEO's role um, in mid uh, early 2017, and I've been here since. Uh, Northeastern RMC serves um, around the west side of uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. We serve just a bit over 32,000 total accounts, relatively urban, dense population on the eastern side of our territory and uh, much more rural as you as you move out of the county uh, to the west. And now, last I spoke with you, we were doing a solutions article that was based around the installation of a 108 megawatt hour battery energy storage system. Uh, it was supposed to be one of the largest in the Midwest, and we brought you on here to talk a little bit about that and see how that's going. Can you tell me where you are with that project currently? We, we kicked off the project, um, inked the deal around this time last year, and since then we've accelerated our, our deployment. Uh, we did our first two units um, within, that, within that first year, I believe from signing of the deal till they were ready to deliver energy was just, just right at seven months. Uh, add the RFP process on the front end and all together, it was about a year till the first units went in. Uh, we've already started on the next three projects. So we've accelerated what was planned as a three-year deployment into a two. Um, and the, the remaining three will be done in 2022, anticipated to be finished by the end of May. And from my understanding, so you have two sites that are finished and three more to go That's correct. That, you're, that are currently That's underway? Correct. We, have, okay. we have two sites installed right now all together capable of 14 megawatts of instantaneous output and just a little over 45 megawatt hours of storage. Can you tell us a little bit about what drove you to undertake this project? Absolutely. Uh, we were driven to go after battery storage mainly because of rising transmission costs. Um, just for a bit of background, we're, we're an independent cooperative. We, we do not have a GNT. We do have a long-term contract for energy, but our transmission and ancillary services all come from the PJM market. Uh, we are on the very western edge of the of PJM uh, as an R, uh, the PJM RTO. Um, PJM does have a, a little known set of rules that allow us to uh, to add generation on our side of the meter, which can then be netted against load. Uh, this allows us to self supply for a portion of those peak related needs. In our particular region of PJM, we've seen transmission cost escalations of over fourteen percent annually. And that that percentage uh, does is done nothing but increase over the last three years. Transmission has now become nearly thirty percent of our total power cost annually. Uh, capacity, in addition to that, is another important piece, though somewhat less um, less important than the transmission in terms of total cost. Um, capacity has been very volatile. It's been between five and um, I think about 12% of our, our total power costs annually. And so the, the batteries allow us to fix a portion of those uh, those costs and take them off of the table. 
And in relation to to members, how does this benefit them? Absolutely. The, the benefit to the members really is in the form of reduced costs for the most part. Um, obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of legacy load control um, out there in the system. We, we have quite a bit installed as well, uh, whether it's um, water heater switches or, um, in our case, thermostats on, on air conditioners. But those, those items all affect the, the member's experience, right? Whereas the battery storage is something that sits at the substation, and when the members call for need, it's there and available. So as we've seen members um, overall, their, their peak has escalated. Um, and their kilowatt hour sales have declined over over time. Uh, this allows the member to continue doing what it is that they want to do, um, and the, the system takes care of itself. Great. Uh, and we talked a little bit prior to to filming uh, about the the idea that this was to help shave peak demand and the fact that we think of summer a lot of times for peak demand, but there's actually the winter peak that you potentially see, and that was a, a factor in deciding to do this as well? It was, absolutely. In our case, our zone happens to peak um, about 40% of the time in the winter. And so when we were sizing the units, we had to size the units for the the lowest peak load, if you will, um, between summer and winter, which happened to be the winter load. So all of the units are sized so that we will not overdrive the substation and, uh, and drive back onto the transmission at peak in the winter. Overall, what were your expectations for the system prior to installation? Well, we had a lot of expectations um, right out of the gate because obviously this was a pretty massive investment for us and uh, we needed the units to perform, otherwise they, they weren't gonna provide the value that they, they needed to. Um, I Chiefly, number one, the units were, were required to perform for ma- at maximum output for three hours um, when needed this summer. Um, that was that was the most important thing. Um, number two, and a lot of the expectations that we had revolved around ourselves. But uh, number two, it was you know, we should improve our abilities to forecast both our zonal and our RTO peaks. Um, they're at when they will actually occur. We're finding that, especially in our zone, the peak is uh, flattened out over time. Um, this has become increasingly difficult to forecast as as times move on. Uh, third was to learn the outer performance limits of the system. Obviously, th- these are new. Uh, they're new technology. There's a lot of um, a lot of performance changes that have come about as, as the battery technology's changed. And we didn't know exactly what the system was capable of outputting, how long it would run um, when stressed to its absolute limits. And we, in fact, ran them one day uh, down to where they had less less than one percent state of charge. So I think we have a pretty good handle now on, on what those limits are. Um, fourth, we, we had to get a handle on what those maintenance needs were going to be. Obviously a system of of this kind of complexity is going to have some ongoing maintenance requirements and we needed to get an idea of what that would entail and what we would need to do to ensure maximum uptime when they were needed. Um, lastly, and this is, this is something that we're, we're still working on is getting the units integrated into our SCADA system. Um, so peak shaving is one thing. You can do that on, in a fairly manual way. You can monitor what's going on with the system. But in order to, to bid these into the market or uh, to track and run energy arbitrage on a daily basis, we needed high-speed, reliable communications and some means of automatic control of the battery output. And so uh, integrating that into the SCADA system is, is our answer to that. And that's that's still on. Now, you mentioned, I think, at the, the start of that question that you were looking for these to be a three-hour duration. Yes. 
And what we define that as uh, is a short duration battery. Can you put that into a little bit of perspective uh, with why you installed a short-term duration battery where we also see long-term duration batteries and potential multi-day duration batteries that cooperatives are now looking at. What's the difference there and what went into that decision-making process? Absolutely. And it's, it's a use case for us is really what it is. In order to shade the transmission peak, we, we knew what we would need to get that done. Um, uh, though we would have liked four hours and it would have helped us um, get a little bit further down the road of, of trying to hedge off the risks of the flattening load curve, uh, we felt pretty confident that we'd be able to get it done with just a little over three hours worth of duration. Um, at the time that we installed, a lot of folks thought we were kind of crazy because most of the batteries that had previously been installed in PJM were between one and two hour duration batteries. And their main um, main goal was the regulation market within PJM, which is also very lucrative. But for peak shaving purposes, three hours was, was what we thought we were going to need. Um, I, I think long-term storage is going to be a game changer once it becomes commercially viable. But when we were looking um, at the time, the, the CapEx increases for more duration were just enormous. And there, there's a real limit there on what is commercially viable today if you want to produce value. Um, I, I think when you get out into the, you know, some of the flow battery technology that's coming online now, we may be getting into that mid-duration, um, 8 to 10 hour range. With, with those technologies, I don't think lithium ion is going to go that far. And when we start talking about multi-day batteries, I'm not convinced that um, batteries will be the answer. I think there's probably going to be some other um, storage technologies that will, will come to the forefront for multi-day storage. But it's like any other generation decision, right? It, it's a mix. Um, there's no one silver bullet. There's no one technology. Just like we can't rely on gas alone. We can't rely on solar alone. Um, it's about creating a, a system that works together. Yeah, those are all great points. And I agree. I think it's going to take time to see as co-ops work with some of these different types of battery storage systems, what is actually viable? And like you said, what's that mix going to look like? Absolutely. Did you run into any challenges with the installation? You've talked a lot about kind of what your expectations were. Uh, wh were there any bumps in the road? With a with a project of this scope, there's there are always going to be challenges, and and they were numerous. Um, but I will say that between um, the vendor that we chose and our staff, we really navigated them very well. Um, I mean, from the outset, we knew COVID was going to be a significant issue, uh, just just in terms of uh, shipping concerns and and product availability concerns. Uh, little did we know that midway through the project, there would be a ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal, the West Coast uh, seaports would be bound up for months. Uh, they, they had to develop a fast pass so that you could skip to the head of the line if you wanted to, <laughs> to bring your items in early. So we, there were many challenges to navigate. And I will say the vendor even got to, to the point where we felt like a handful of the containers might be a little bit behind schedule. They offered to fly them in if necessary. Uh, again, there's there are going to be challenges, but uh, you have to work through those locally. Uh, when we started the projects, we still had to purchase the ground. Uh, we had to get site work done in order to meet this this very tight deadline that we had in place. So there, there were numerous challenges, but um, if you've got the right partners, everything comes together nicely. That's great to hear. And I, I agree. Uh, anytime you undertake a, a 
project of this this size that there's very rarely do you ever see smooth sailing. Uh, so it's it's helpful and definitely insightful to hear just what some of those bumps in the road were. I believe you have some numbers that you can share with us of what those real world results were from the summer. Uh, did you did you bring those with you? Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the real world results uh, out of the batteries were were just absolutely fabulous. Though I would say there were they were not without some moments of sheer terror as well. Um, the way I summarize this for most folks is that on our transmission peak day in August, we charged the batteries with off-peak power. This cost us about $4,500. We discharged that at peak, offsetting purchases from the bulk grid. And the saving in, savings in transmission alone was $1.6 So we turned $4,500 into $1.6 in one day. Um, in terms wow. of the capacity side of things, uh, that's spread out across five days in the summer. And we successfully shaved peak with 100% of the battery's capacity for four of those five days. One day we ran out uh, a bit early. It happened to be the transmission peak day, and obviously transmission took precedence. So we only captured about 50% of the actual peak output on that day. Still, despite reductions in capacity pricings for 22-23 delivery year, we still saved approximately another 400000 on capacity um, that will be spread out across the latter half of 22 and 23 uh, for those, those five days. Um, the, the moments of sheer terror, it, that does bear some exp explanation, and it really uh, speaks to the, the risks associated with, with trying to capture peak with battery storage. And when we put out our RFP, like I mentioned, we, we were looking for three-hour duration batteries because that's what we thought we were going to need to capture the peak. Um, this year, our, our zonal peak was flatter than ever, and the zone was within 1.5% of its actual peak load for a duration of over five hours. This is very, very difficult to hit um, and, and quite nerve-wracking. In fact, two hours after the peak, we were coming out of load control, as was most of the rest of the zone, and the system rebounded to within just 13 megawatts of the actual peak. That's a 13 megawatt difference on 21,000 megawatts. The, 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 it was just so close. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So you're all holding, holding your breath a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. We have strategies to hedge against this risk moving forward. But in the first year, obviously, with, with only two units online and um, some of these other strategies not in place, you know, it was, we were all in trying to capture that one hour. So was that something that you somewhat expected as you went into this or that t took you a little off guard, um, just how close no, it, you it might was, be? No, it was somewhat expected. This was a tighter year than normal. Uh, normally, it's it's more than a 13 megawatt difference between several hours. Uh, but this was somewhat expected, absolutely. Yeah, definitely sounds like you were successful. It's exciting to hear those numbers. And thanks for bringing them to share with us because I think that that definitely sets the stage for hopefully what you're doing as you move forward with this project. Based on that, are you going to be doing anything differently? It sounded like you're speeding up the installation from what you mentioned earlier. Uh, what do you think in terms of the, the future for the, uh, the remainder of the project? We, we sped up the project because, um, again, the transmission rates have continued to escalate faster than anticipated. And so the, the units are already profitable at this point. Um, there's really no reason to delay any further. The concerns, um, one of the major risks is that PJM may change some of these rules moving forward. We we have planned for that. We do have some contingencies in place if that were to happen. 
but um, at, you know, as time goes on, that risk increases. So the, the impetus is to get them installed as quickly as possible so that we can net those benefits early. That's exciting to hear. Uh, so were there any unexpected benefits that you experienced since the installation? I even think in terms of uh, your members, whether there was, you know, information that you shared with them that you that may have helped with customer engagement. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything else that you saw that you maybe didn't think about, but turned out to be a positive. Um, in terms of member engagement, I, I will say that that part has been somewhat disappointing, and and perhaps it's because there's not a whole lot to look at. I'm not I'm not sure what that is. Um, as a self-professed nerd, I, I love nothing more than to talk about these units, but most of the membership, uh, again, they just want to continue doing what they do on a normal basis, and they don't want to think too much about their their energy needs. They want us to think about that for them. There have been a handful of folks that have been excited about technology that we're putting in place. Uh, but Yeah, but so that, not necessarily vocal, but I'm sure it's also, it's a great message to get out there in terms of what you're doing for uh, long-term service and shaving peak costs, but not not the excitement necessarily that uh, you might want to see in member engagement. So that's, that's interesting. I, I expect that we may see a little bit here in the next few months because we're, we're able to tell a story that because of this, um, despite increasing transmission costs and, and I mean, tremendously increasing transmission costs. We're going into next year with, with flat rates at a time when you're, you're constantly barraged with, uh, bombarded with uh, energy cost increases yeah. across the board. Everyone's seeing this. The local investor owned utility is, is currently seeking a, a pretty substantial rate increase as they have for a number of years. Um, our rates are already lower than theirs are. I think, I think those, those little tidbits will mean more to the membership than, you know, the, the technology that we've installed. Yeah. And I agree from a communication standpoint that sometimes it it takes some time to build that story. Uh, and when you have those numbers to share and you can keep repeating that message, uh, that sometimes helps definitely get that message across and build the the customer understanding of, of what you're actually trying to do. Absolutely. And I've been somewhat reluctant to uh, push out too much information, too much fluff before the units have proven anything. Now that they've proven something, we're, we're going to tell everybody about it. That's the plan. Yep. Great. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your contract uh, with FlexGen and how you decided to select them. Absolutely. That, that was a lengthy process. In fact, it took almost as long to work through the RFP as it did to install the units. Uh, we, we ultimately, we were looking for either a PPA or the ownership model. And we, we presented the RFP as either one. We were agnostic. The PPAs were very disappointing. The, the prices were, um, were quite high. And I, I believe it's because the investors were looking for a much higher rate of return on equity than what we would expect. For us, the ownership model was the only way to go. Our equity levels were relatively high when we started this project, so we, we had the ability to go out and, um, and secure financing for this and, and take care of it internally. Um, we chose FlexGen after we narrowed the project down to just a handful of vendors. And again, we were looking for a vendor that would uh, come alongside us. This is new technology. It was new to us. We, there was a lot of uh, aspects that we didn't understand yet. And so we needed to know that they were going to be there. Um, in addition, when you got into the details, we found that 
FlexGen was was bringing, yes, the CapEx was a little higher with them, but they were bringing in more capacity right up front, uh, anticipating that the units are going to degrade over time. Obviously, batteries don't last forever. And so as their output degrades, we wanted to ensure that the capacity would, would remain at our minimum. Um, and their, their system does that. Uh, this is, they were also the only vendor of the bunch that came on site, did site reviews with an entire team prior to uh, submitting their proposal. Uh, just across the board made us feel confident that they were going to be here after the sale. And I, I can't say enough good about what they have done because that's exactly what it has been. Um, they understood that, especially this summer, 100% uptime was the goal and we had to have it. And there, there were multiple times this summer where we had some minor teething issues as we were ramping up where we called in the morning with a problem and somebody was on a plane by the afternoon to come up here and, and help us solve it. Great. So if you can distill that down to maybe uh, your best insight about um, selecting that partner, what would it be? I, I think it was just conversations with them. Uh, we talked with, with a number of vendors and some of them gave us the impression that they were going to, yes, we'll bring the units, we'll show up, we'll drop them off. Some contractor will come in and prepare the site. And that was about the end of it. These guys uh, never presented themselves that way. It was, uh, they're going to be here to make sure that the units work. Great. Now, for other cooperative leaders who might be looking at similar projects, what would be your th- top three insights that you'd say you really want to point out uh, for someone trying to undertake a project of, of this size or magnitude? Absolutely. The, the, the top three is not the question I normally get. Usually it's just that top <laughs> one. And the top one is certainly picking the partner. Uh, I've said this consistently from the beginning. You've got to feel like you've got someone you can trust. So that's number one. Number two, I'd say you really have to dig in and understand your zone as well as your power contract. Uh, for us, the power supply side is a bit easier since we're independent and we only have the, the energy contract. So peak shaving was uh, was definitely in our wheelhouse, something we could do. But understanding the RTO, understanding the RTO's rules, um, the risks associated with, um, with deploying something like this into that RTO, and then um, just being involved in that process and understanding what it is to to get those projects approved within the RTO, that's that's uh, huge. Lastly, uh, I would say, as with every decision we make, there are risks, and we have to understand what they are and then develop means of mitigating those risks. But at the end of the day, you have to get comfortable with there will be some remaining risk. Um, but we shouldn't be scared away by those risks either. Uh, we, in our case especially, Doing nothing is still a choice. It still had risk. And in our case, we knew um, that it was pretty predictable that those costs were going to continue to increase. And if we did nothing, we were just going to be passing those on through to our members, throwing up our hands and saying it's out of our control. But in reality, there there was something we could do about it. Great. Well, it definitely sounds like, as you've reiterated, that partners are a very important factor uh, to the decision-making process and the success of that project. Uh, So just in closing, do you have anything else you'd like to share? Any final thoughts? I really, I think you've hit on it all. I just, I can't say enough about picking the right vendor. I've seen some other folks that have had some horror stories with, uh, with projects that yes, they got installed and they may have been turned up and working, but ultimately didn't deliver on the promise. And thus far ours have, 
and I have every confidence that they will continue to because we have a partner. Well, thank you so much. I truly appreciate you coming and sharing some of your insights today. And I'm excited to hear more about how the project deployment goes as you install the rest of the sites. Um, And hopefully we'll check back in with you at some point. Absolutely. Anytime, Christine. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Solutions Cast. Be sure to subscribe to get the next episode and check nrucfc.coop slash solutions for more electric cooperative news.